Yay, in my heart, there rings a melody, a melody of love. Good morning. We are glad that you're here on uh, Fall Kickoff. My name is Pastor Gary Brooks, and along with Pastor Daniel Refner, we welcome you this morning. We hope that uh, after the service, or even during, it's whatever, uh, feel free to, to uh, go get some popcorn or look around the fellowship hall up and down. The Cub Scouts are uh, uh, cooking up some hamburgers and hot dogs for, for lunch. $5 for lunch? You can't get that anywhere in Wichita on Sunday at lunch. And uh, so uh, we invite you to just enjoy and see what's happening here at Aldersgate. So uh, you'll find that there are uh, many opportunities for service, uh, sing in the choir, play bells, help uh, do some support work for worship services, uh, that kind of thing. So this is kind of that Sunday in which we can do that. Uh, Lisa Schwebke is our uh, liturgist this morning. She is one of our newest members of the church, uh, planning to join very soon. And she's uh, working on a project, and it's called Feed My Starving Children. And it's going to be uh, September 11th through 13th at St. Uh, Elizabeth and Seton Church. It's a wonderful opportunity to help pack lunches uh, for... Uh, uh, service to uh, folks around the world 
and it's a ministry that not only provides emergency relief, but also works in sustainable ways to help build the economy and the livelihood of the communities that they serve. So if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, Lisa, will you be here after the service? Okay, so just look for Lisa, and she will tell you a little bit more about that. We have flowers on the altar today, and they're presented in celebration of the birthday of Eve Marin on her 13th birthday. And so, Ev, we want to wish you the very best. They're presented by great-grandparents Les and Kay Hole. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. I probably missed something, but, you know, take a look in your bulletin and, and take a look today. We're going to be presenting uh, Bibles to the third graders, and there's lots of activities. We'll continue our Gospel According to Marvel series. We'll continue that today and next Sunday. And so um, just enjoy and worship with us. All right, it's time to make some commotion. I invite you to stand and turn and greet one another in Christian love. If you don't know someone, ask their name and tell them yours. Let us join the call to worship. In a world filled with pain, we long to see some good. When we are in distress, you make a place for us to rest. Come, let us turn our faces toward God.
as we worship together. Let us continue praising our Lord by singing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Gracious God, you are the one who loves us without prejudice or bias. You welcome us all into your house, regardless of our history and pain. Grant to us this day enough grace that in our wounds we may find courage and in our pain your grace. Bind up our hurts and redeem them that we may taste the transformation of your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. During the second service, we had a baptism for Bristol Lane Bobo, who is the daughter of Jairus and Brian Bobo, and so that's why you see the baptismal uncovered and readied here. Today is a special day. I hope that you will take time to linger as the service concludes and uh, take a, a look around and enjoy uh, fellowshipping with others and learning about our ministries. One of the things that we're doing is uh, we're uh, selling some um, polo shirts uh, like the one I'm wearing this morning, and we're selling some T-shirts like the one... Daniel is wearing. All right, you can get a t-shirt for 17, you can get a polo for 30, um, and they benefit 
the Project Laundry here in Wichita. And this is just one of the kits that uh, uh, is provided with $5 worth of quarters, some uh, laundry detergent, a dryer sheet. And these are given to people uh, who need them. You know, when you have to put food on the table, or oh, wash your clothes. Food on the table, wash your clothes. Food on the table usually wins. And so Project Laundry is a way that we help um, uh, provide in concert with other churches and uh, individuals in Wichita a way for people to do laundry. So if you'd like to get a shirt, hey, we invite you to do that. This time we'll invite the ushers to come forward for the morning offering. Try to be a hero for a day, but all my superpowers fail to save. So I turned in my ego and my.
pick me up before I self-destruct. And friends, you may be uh, seated, and I believe it's time for our third grade Bible presentation. We can have all of our third graders come on up this morning, and I'm just going to have you stand right here on this first step. Oh, come on, guys. We can just stand right up here and make a line, and then turn this way so they can see your cute faces. Come right up here. Okay, let's see. Oh, we've got a few more coming up. There we go. Okay, so these are most of our third graders. I know we have a few more that maybe aren't with us today that are receiving their gift of their third grade Bibles that they'll get to bring to Sunday school and church each week. So I'm going to go ahead and Miss Dia's going to hand me a Bible and I'm going to let you guys, I'm going to set this right. Okay, Brody Page. Congratulations. You can stay right there. Is Meyer in here? I don't think Meyer is. Did Meyer come in yet? Okay, we'll hold on to his. He was, they maybe are still outside. Noah Sterling. Congratulations. Okay, Bella Blankman. There's Bella. Gavin Waugh. Seth Schmiding. I don't think Seth is in here today, so we're going to take another one here. Parker Birch. Congratulations, Parker. Yeah, Cal Calvin Weishman. Congratulations, Calvin. Let's see. Shay. I don't think Shay is here. And Aaron. Aaron's not here, but we'll have you take it to Aaron, okay? You can grab it afterwards. Daisy Cloud, congratulations. 
Molly Doyle. Natalie Hoops, congratulations. Alice Crow, congratulations. Let's see, I think, do you all have yours? Okay, so those are our kiddos that are here this week to present. Now, Pastor Gary, I'm gonna come down here and Pastor Gary and I have a few things to talk about here, okay? Okay, I want to say congratulations on the presentation of uh, the Bibles, and I trust that you will read them carefully and study them. And I invite you to repeat after me so the congregation can hear you pledge to share uh, the Bible together. Will you repeat? We receive these Bibles. We receive these Bibles with our hands, our hearts, and our minds, we will read and study the Bible together. And study the Bible together. Job. Okay, now if you guys can repeat after me the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thanks be to God. Excellent. Good job. Okay. Now I invite the uh, parents and teachers of these students. Would you please stand? And uh, I've got a section for you to repeat after me as you speak to them and uh, affirm yourself. Would you say, receive the word of God, receive the word of God, learn its stories and study its words, learn its stories and study its words. They tell us who we are and that we belong to one another as the people of God. We promise to help you grow in the understanding of these scriptures. Good job. Okay, now it's really important. We encourage our kids every Sunday to bring, when they come to Sunday school, to bring their Bibles with them. It just gets them into the habit of opening it up, bringing it, finding where scripture is found. And it's really important at home. And I think maybe some of you, I may have to pull out some new animals. How many of you have your Bible buddies, your puppies from last year that you can read from? But it takes a whole village to help kids learn from the Bible, and that includes our congregation. So the parents can be seated, and I'm just going to ask everybody that's in here to help us support our kids by following and saying what's going to be up on the screen. There we go. We rejoice, we rejoice in, in this step in your, in your journey, journey with God. God. We, pray we pray God, God will guide you, your family, and us as you, you use this holy Bible in your, in your home, in your, in your Sunday, Sunday school, school classes, and, and in, in our worship. worship. We right. will learn together and grow, and grow in, in our, our love for God's, God's word. word. Okay. All right. Let's give them a round of applause. And so I don't know. I think, Dan, who's doing children's moment? Daniel. So I'm going to invite the rest of the kids that are out here to come on up. And you guys, another fun thing for you guys. So if you guys, you get first seats right here. And all the other kids can come on up. You get a double doozy today. How about that? All right. Can I see this? 
all these friends coming up today. All right. This is a good group. This is a good group. Hey, Isaac. Nice boots, brother. Wow. Well, hey, good morning. Hey, uh, happy fall kickoff to all of you. I hope you have uh, maybe had some time to enjoy the festivities, or maybe we'll get to do that after service is over. Uh, I'm so glad to see you all today. It is a good day to be together. Now, um, I have a couple things that I want to show you all. Uh, can, can somebody tell me what this is? A medal. Okay, now, what do you do to get a medal? You win something? You do something good, perhaps? Well, this is definitely fake. Um, <laughs> I actually tried to find one of the medals that I won from cross-country when I was in high school, but, but I couldn't find it, so I went to the dollar store. Um, but yeah, so you win a medal oftentimes when you do something good, like when you win a cross-country race or maybe do something else that is really, really cool. Um, but what is this? It's a report card, okay, and how did this person do on their report card? All Fs. Now, let me ask you, if this is what your report card looked like, do you think you would get a medal? Yeah, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it? You don't get a medal. A medal for the worst uh, report card, maybe, maybe. But... When we make mistakes, you know, like sometimes we maybe don't get the best grades, we wouldn't expect to get rewarded for that. Now, in the gospel story that we're going to read today, we're going to hear about two brothers. And both of these brothers, in their own way, made a lot of mistakes. One of the uh, brothers went far away to a distant land and made a lot of mistakes. And the other brother stayed close to home but he also made a lot of mistakes. Now, when we make mistakes in our lives, uh, do you guys think that God stops loving us? No, no, that's the right answer. But sometimes it can feel that way when we're making mistakes, when, when, when we're um, not doing what God wants us to do. Perhaps we can think sometimes that God might stop loving us, might stop caring for us, but in the story today, we're going to hear uh, that God never stops loving us, even when we make mistakes. And that's some good news to hear. So that means that even when you make mistakes, maybe even if you get an F on your report card, which I know none of you will ever do, God will still love you. So if you have your uh, Bibles here, maybe if you just got one, when you go back to your seats, ask your parents to help you turn to Luke chapter 15, because that's what we're going to be looking at today, okay? Well, hey, it's good to see you all. I'm glad you are, are all here. Uh, let's say a quick prayer, and then I'll let you go back to your adults, okay? So I would ask you to repeat after me, and we'll have the adults help us too. Dear God, we give you thanks for this day, and we give you thanks for your love that runs after us, even when we make mistakes. Help us to love you more. 
Amen. Amen. Okay, friends. Hey, so good to see you today. Today's Old Testament lesson comes from Psalm 4, verses 1 through 5. Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Amen. There once were two brothers who lived and worked with their father. And one day, the younger of the brothers said to his dad, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance today, because I want to go and live in a far-off and distant land. Now, as the story goes, the father agreed and gave him his share of the inheritance, and the younger brother went far, far away and squandered every penny of it in reckless living. Soon he didn't have a dime to his name. And as the story goes, he took a job working with the pigs, which for the ancient Hebrew people would have been an absolute no-no because pigs were seen to be unclean. And one day as he is mixing there with the pigs, the younger son comes to his uh, senses and he realizes that even the servants who live and work with his father have a roof over their heads and enough food on their plates. So he decides... I'm going to go home, and I'm going to apologize to my dad, and I'm going to beg that I would be brought back in, not as a son, but as a slave, for that would be a better life than what I have now. And so the son sets off back for home, and while he is yet a long way off, his father spots him on the horizon. He's keeping an eye out for him in hopes that one day he might come back. And as soon as he sees his uh, son on the horizon, he runs out to meet him and greet him. And he doesn't receive him back as a slave. No, he puts a ring on his finger, a cloak on his back, and says, My son that was lost has been found. And he kills the fatted calf, throws a huge party to celebrate for the prodigal son is home. This is where we pick up the story today in our gospel lesson. Our gospel text is from Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 25. We're paying attention to the experience of the elder brother today. So I invite you to stand in body or spirit as we hear the gospel read. 
Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. And he said, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then the elder brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all of these years I have been working like a slave for you, and never once have I disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat that I would celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your assets in reckless living, you kill the fatted calf for him. And then the father said, My son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, open the eyes of our hearts that we would hear the words that you would have to say to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, God, are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I am excited today, not only because it's the fall kickoff, but because we are continuing in what has become one of my favorite sermon series, The Gospel According to Marvel. We've been looking at superheroes, and we've been watching movies in church as we've seen what these heroes can teach us about the life of faith. Now, just as a quick recap, in case you haven't been here for the past few weeks, we've, we've already taken a look at Iron Man to see what he can teach us about repentance. That, that was week one. In week two, Pastor Gary taught us about Captain Marvel and, and what it means to be released from harmful narratives that can weigh us down. And just last week, Pastor Maria shared about the Black Panther and what it means to shift our mindsets from that of scarcity to that of abundance. We've looked at some really cool characters so far. But if you haven't noticed, they've all been heroes. They've all been the good guys. But no sermon series about superheroes, I think, would be complete without talking about villains. So we're taking a turn to the dark side today to talk about one villain in particular, and his name is Loki. And we're going to be taking a particular look at Loki's origin story and what that story of how he came to be who he is can teach us something about pain. Now, for those of us who might not be familiar with superhero linguistics, I'm, I might need to explain what is an origin story. Uh, an origin story is the narrative or the background that explains how a hero became a hero. It is the story of how they became who they are. It explains their background, their motivations, and the particular series of events 
that, that motivated them on the path that they take. Every superhero, everyone, has a unique origin story, just like each and every one of us has a unique origin story. In fact, many of the Marvel movies that we know and love tell these origin stories, how these heroes that inspire us came to be who they are. But of course, it's not just the good guys who have these origin stories. The bad guys, too, have events in their life that motivate them to become the way they are. And this is what we're going to pay attention to when it comes to Loki. Now, we first meet Loki in 2011 in the first Thor movie. And even though the Thor movie seems to be about Thor, that's what it's named after, I would argue that that movie is actually about Loki's origin story. The whole plot, in my opinion, focuses on explaining and narrating what happens to him to turn him from good to evil. See, one of the things we have to know about Loki is that he wasn't born a villain. He was born a prince. Now, Loki and his brother Thor are both princes in, on a planet called Asgard, and their father, King Odin, is the ruler of Asgard. Now, what you need to know about Loki and Thor and their relationship is that Thor is the dominant brother. He is bigger, stronger, more handsome. Universally, Thor is more liked than Loki. He's the favored brother. We see this early on in the movie because their father, King Odin, is beginning to get old and he's picking a successor, and it is Thor not Loki, who is selected to be the next king of Asgard. Loki, for his part, he's a little bit more even-tempered than Thor. He's not so impulsive, not so arrogant. But he's always living in the shadow of his brother Thor. Loki is known as the god of mischief, and so his strength is not in his power or his might, but in his cleverness and his ability to hatch schemes and trick people but he's always seen as inferior so we have those three main characters we have loki and his brother thor and their father odin but there's one more group of people that we need to meet as we're setting the context for this movie and that is the frost giants the frost giants are a blue people who live on a frozen blue planet called jotunheim and the Frost Giants are important to the story because they're the arch enemies of Asgard. Throughout history and throughout time, Asgard and Jotunheim have been at war with each other. But in the last war, led by King Odin, he takes from the Frost Giants their main power source. It's an energy core called the Casket. And he takes this casket from Jotunheim, and he brings it back to Asgard, and so there's this peace that exists, this tenuous and fragile peace between the Asgards and the, the Frost Giants. And this is important because we learn early on that the casket energy core was not the only thing that Odin took from Jotunheim that day. 
So let's watch this clip and pay attention to how Loki responds as he learns the truth about his origin story. So in this first scene, we find Loki, and he is uh, about to steal what looks to be an, uh, an energy core from the frost giants. And, and as he has his hands on this core, his father, uh, Odin, catches him from behind and says, Loki, stop what you're doing. And at this point, Loki knows that something is up, something is wrong, and so he begins to ask his father questions. He says, Father, am I cursed? And his father says, no. But then he asks, what am I? And as he asks this question, he has his hands on the blue energy core and his entire skin has turned blue. His father begins to tell him that Loki is actually not an Asgardian. He is a frost giant. And in a battle years ago when his father Odin was defeating the frost giants, he finds Loki as a baby in a temple. And in the clip, he picks him up and, and Loki turns from blue into a human. And, and so Odin begins to tell him about how he actually was adopted. And this angers Loki. He feels betrayed. Uh, he tells his father that, that this must be why he has always favored his brother Thor over him, because he could never imagine a frost giant being on the throne of Asgard. And so Loki gets more and more angry. He begins to yell at his father as, as his hurt and his pain comes out. And at some point, it becomes too much for Odin to take, and he begins to falter and, and appears as if he's having a heart attack. He falls to the ground, and Loki comes to his aid, and the clip closes as the guards come to try to care for Odin. Not an easy conversation between a father and his son. In this scene, Loki learns the truth. He's not an Asgardian. He's a frost giant, rescued from his planet by a king who, I think, really wanted to save him, but maybe also wanted to use him as a political pawn. Now this scene, I think, 
is not just about us learning where Loki comes from, but it is about the unfolding of his origin story. Because remember, origin stories are not just about where we come from. They're about how the events in our life motivate us to do the things that we do. And in this experience, when Loki learns where he comes from, the experience of deep pain enters into his origin story. The deep pain of feeling lied to by your father the pain of feeling betrayed, the pain of feeling unloved and feeling like a monster. Did, did you notice how the pain in Loki's voice increased as the scene went on? He was angry at his father, yes, but in his voice and in his face, you could see the pain, even tears welling up in his eyes as a whole lifetime of feeling inferior to his brother is seemingly justified because he now knows the truth he is different throughout the rest of the movie loki's pain that begins in this scene drives him and motivates him to become more and more villainous he starts to hatch and plan this scheme and he tries to take over the throne of Asgard. He creates this false crisis between the frost giants and the Asgardians to hopefully prove to his father, to trick his father, to make him think that Loki is the hero and it's motivated by pain. All the while this is happening, Thor is uh, in exile here on planet Earth, far away from what his brother is doing back on Asgard. But Thor slowly begins to figure out the plan. He slowly figures out what Loki is trying to do. And so in the climactic scene of the movie, the prodigal son comes home and confronts his brother and tries to stop his evil plan from taking place. So let's keep watching and see what happens as Thor confronts Loki and his plans. You saved him. So in this second scene, we see Loki's evil plan coming to fruition. He has just uh, killed one of the frost uh, giants who has invaded Odin's uh, chambers. And right as he's telling his mother that he is going to go and, and take care of these frost giants, take care of the arch enemies, Thor returns. And Thor knows what Loki is really up to. Thor knows that Loki has created this false battle with the frost giants so Loki can go and destroy them and be made the hero. And as Thor confronts Loki about this, Loki, of course, wants no part of it. And so attacks Thor, tries to get rid of him. And then Loki begins to go to the portal, which is called the Bifrost, and begins to destroy the planet Jotunheim, which is the land of the frost giants. Of course, Loki wants to do this because if he destroys the frost giants, he will be seen as a national hero of Asgard, and he will earn his place of favor with his father. He will earn his place on the throne. 
But of course, Thor doesn't go away, and so Thor confronts Loki there at the Bifrost, and they begin to have this exchange of words, and Loki reveals that, that he never wanted nothing more than to be an equal of Thor. But now he's doing what he's doing, destroying an entire race of people just so that he could be seen as a worthy son. There is pain and there is anger and hurt in Loki's voice. And as they continue to argue, he tries to fight Thor. Thor doesn't want to fight. He just wants to find peace. But Loki, the pain within him has grown into resentment. And you can begin to see tears are flowing down his face as his anger builds and builds and builds. Eventually, Loki threatens to harm a woman named Jane, who's Thor's love interest, and that's the final straw, and they begin to have the last battle. Did you see the pain? Did you hear the pain in his voice? I don't know if you could see it, but there, uh, tears were rolling down Loki's cheek, even as he was spewing those hateful, hurtful words towards his brother. And when asked why he's doing all this, even going so far as to destroy an entire planet, Loki's response is, to prove to Father that I am a worthy son. Now, I don't think that Loki's evil. I think he does evil actions, but I don't think he's evil. I think he's a man in great pain. I think he's a man who's in pain, who is wrestling and struggling and failing to process through that pain in healthy ways. And unfortunately for Loki, because he refuses to deal with the pain, he lets it drive him into bitterness and resentment, and his heart becomes hardened with hate. And that pain only is compounded and only builds on itself. Now we all have pain in our origin stories. We may not have had the same experience as Loki and Thor, but we all know what it's like to experience deep, deep pain. I think that's actually part of what it means to be human. We have the capacity for great joy and great pain, and more often than not, those two are intermingled together. The question is not if we experience pain, but how will we respond to it when it makes its way into our stories? Will we follow in the way of Loki and let that pain turn into bitterness and resentment? 
Or will we embrace the love of our Creator God who heals our pain and comforts us in our grief? This is the question that is posed to the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. Now, I love the first half of this parable, and and we often pay close attention to the story of the younger son who goes far away and wastes all of his money and then comes home and receives the grace of his father. And that's a beautiful story of grace. But sometimes we don't pay as much attention to the fact that while the party is happening, while the music and the dancing are happening to celebrate the prodigal coming back, there is another brother out in the field experiencing deep pain. When he hears about the party being thrown for his wayward brother, he becomes so angry, so discontent, he refuses to come inside. He won't be a part of this celebration. Now, perhaps he's hurt because, like Loki, he feels that his brother has always been the favorite. And how could he not? For after all of his years of faithful service to his father in the fields, he wasn't even given a single goat to celebrate with his friends. But when the father hears of his son's pain, pay attention to what he does. He rushes out into the field to meet him. Now this is exactly what the father does when the younger brother comes back. Remember, he's keeping an eye out for him, and as soon as he sees the prodigal coming back, he runs out to meet him. This is exactly what he does with the elder brother. He goes to meet him in his pain. This is what God does for us when we're experiencing deep pain that we are wrestling to navigate. God comes to meet us, to offer us words of comfort, to offer us healing. And when the father does this, he tries to remind his elder son that he still loves him. He says, my son, you have always been with me and everything that I have is yours. There is no reason to fear. There is no reason to feel inferior. But the thing that I love about this passage is that we never actually get to hear how the elder brother responds. The parable ends before we get to hear from him again. The story ends before we learn how he deals with the pain. And I like to think that the text leaves it open-ended for us on purpose, as if to invite us to ask the question, how will the elder brother deal with his pain? Will he listen to the words of the Father and let grace transform his pain? Or will he follow in the way of Loki and let that pain grow into bitterness and resentment and hatred? It's a question we have to ask. And it's a question that we are presented with ourselves whenever we experience pain. For pain is part of all of our origin stories, whether we would like to admit it or not. Pain that you've caused or pain that you've felt. 
pain that is old and pain that is new, pain that doesn't hurt as much as it used to, and pain that on this day really, really stings. Our God is a healer and a redeemer of pain. Our God is one who runs out into the field to meet us when we're on our way home from a long time away or when we're in our deepest moments of brokenness. God runs to meet us. That's who God is. God offers us comfort. God offers us words of love, but it is always a choice for us how we get to respond. All too often, I think that our stories of pain include us doing everything in our power to avoid dealing with it. We pretend it's not there. We avoid it. We hope that time will heal all wounds. And I'm just as guilty of this as anybody. But I think we know the truth deep down that if we don't deal with the pain, it won't go away. It'll only evolve. So may we hear the invitation of God this morning, the invitation to choose a different way, to choose the way of inviting God into our origin stories, into those places of brokenness and hurt and allowing God's grace to heal and transform and, yes, even redeem our pain and make something beautiful out of it. Now, I will not claim to know how this works. I do not know the mysteries of pain in this world, but I believe in the deepest bones of my body that our God is one that heals and redeems pain and wants to lead us towards places of healing and wholeness. That's who God is, and that is what God does. Now, no matter what is in your origin story, no matter the pain, no matter the mistakes or the failures, no matter the trauma or even the villainous acts that you maybe have committed as you are living out of that pain, know this day that your story is not finished. Just like the elder brother, his story is not finished in Luke chapter 15. There is more to write in our stories. And each and every day, we are offered the invitation from God to invite God into our stories and let God do what God does, transform and redeem even the deepest experiences of pain. Our stories are never finished. There's always more to write. And even though our, our origin stories may include the experiences of pain, they also include God's grace. May we feel the Father running out to us. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we begin the time of prayer, I've got a question. I'd like to know how many of you are teachers, administrators, staff in our public schools or a college or a trade school or homeschool 
Would you stand up? You're starting in on stuff this week. Yeah, would you stand up? Just so proud of what you're doing with our young people. And all the students. Who are, who's going to school, starting school, college? Uh, yeah. Wow. This is powerful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessing upon these who are in the changes of life and, and get to be a part of, of discovery and learning. Lord, keep our schools safe. Give uh, teachers and administrators and staff wisdom and students a hunger for learning that we may find ways out of the pains of our lives, of our existence, that we might find solutions to the problems of our world and find a way forward with leadership, hope, and peace. Lord, we thank you for the birth of August Grace to uh, Lindsay Strader and Michael Fowler. We ask that you'd be with Stephanie and Don Patterson following their automobile accident that you'd be with Marge and Bob Hoffman, with Sarah Brewer-Harmon, Mary Brody. Lord, be with Stacy Stafford, Mary McNeely, Mary Brody, Willie Holtzgren, Sue Bloomer, Lynn Blankenship. Lord, you walk with us. And you allow us to have the presence of your spirit. For this kickoff Sunday, we praise you for what Aldersgate means to us and the warm hearts and the active hands it encourages us with. Thank you for allowing us as a congregation to be a part of what you are blessing in our world today. Now we ask that you would guide us and direct us that we may be a part of the answer, that we may have strength for our lives and direction for the road ahead. I pray in the name of Jesus the Christ who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, let's close out this service by singing Sent Forth by God's Blessing. Please stand if you're able.
friends, I don't know about you, but I'm going to make a beeline for the Kona ice truck. It is hot outside, and I haven't gotten my snow cone yet, so I hope you'll join me in the festivities of the fall kickoff. But uh, no matter where you go or how you go, let us go in the light of God's love. Go with the hope that no matter the pain, God can redeem. Go and be a light for the world. And go and serve God in all you do. Go in peace. Amen.